Blog Talk Radio. Broke loose there, and uh, 
And it was a quagmire. There is no doubt about that. It was quite, um, it shook even young children like myself and uh, and changed the world, of course, as we knew, knew it. Um, but you were there. You have firsthand experience. I just got TV clips and sometimes not any of that because my parents thought it was very violent. Of course it was. Um, mm-hmm. What? How did Vietnam affect you? I mean, obviously it did enough for you to write about it and continue writing about it um, with your short fiction in Love Beneath the Napalm, but also in this new book that you're writing. How did it affect you psychologically? Well, I think that um, uh, I was actually born in 1949. I I normally don't like to admit that, but the mirror won't let me uh, uh, assert otherwise. And so when Vietnam started to become a significant part of the U.S. consciousness, which was 1961-1963, I was in my early teenage years, and it was it became an increasing part of the part of the media. And I suppose that I had a uh, concern about it, a fascination with it. It seemed uh, rather strange, very foreign, somewhat in- inexplicable. And um, so it was something that I just focused in on very early. Um, I was lucky, very lucky, compared to the people who, who had to fight uh, in this incredibly, uh, you know, tormenting experience on on all sides for everybody. I was lucky yeah. because I had a high lottery number in the first um, draft, and so I didn't have to go into the military. But after I graduated from college. I wanted to see for myself a little bit of what Vietnam was right, so it was like. Uh-huh. So I ended up going to teach in Vietnam in the fall of 1972 and uh, then stayed there until 1974, went back very briefly in 1975 to help take out some Vietnamese friends. And then it sort of uh, simmered for a while, and uh, it took a while for me to start writing but I finally started writing around and and started getting stories published in 1993, and I've just sort of kept on since then. So it's actually been about 20 years since I started publishing stories about Vietnam. Wow. We could probably consider you an expert on the subject, I would imagine. Um, Maybe, you know, I don't know about the political side, but definitely being there on the cultural side, we could definitely consider you an expert on Vietnam culture, and this comes out in your writing in Love Beneath the Napalm. Let me um, just read a little bit from the uh, what the blurb is about Love Beneath the Napalm. It says, um, Love Beneath the Napalm is James D. Redwood's collection of deeply affecting stories about the enduring effects of colonialism and the Vietnamese war over the course of a century on the Vietnamese and the American and French foreigners who became inextricably connected with their fate. These finely etched, powerful tales span a wide array of settings from the former imperial capital of Hue at the end of the... I'm going to mess this up. Can you say the... Is it Nguyen? What is it? Well, it's actually the, 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 the imperial capital is actually Hue rather than Hue. Hue, but uh-huh. um, yeah, Hue, and um, it's a Nguyen dynasty. Nguyen. It's okay. uh, Viet- Nguyen Vietnamese is a tonal, you know, Vietnamese is a tonal language like Mandarin, and it's actually very difficult, I think, for 
for us to pronounce. Um, and I'm not by any means fluent, but it's uh, it's a beautiful language. It's a very poetic language. But well, it's um, just I, lovely. Oh, Go ahead, please finish. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I mean you're 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 very kind to call me an expert on 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 Vietnam or Vietnamese culture. I'm I'm very far from being an expert. Um I didn't spend as much time in Vietnam as I wish I had. I'm not fluent in the language. I was very fortunate in that I lived in in Saigon with uh some Vietnamese uh families which I thought was very helpful and I'm still close friends with some uh, Vietnamese who are sort of dispersed. There are some of them living in Los Angeles, some in in, in France, some of them in, in Switzerland. And I feel very close to them, and I think I've learned a lot from them. But there are many other people, um, both reporters and people who served in Vietnam and people who were there in a civilian capacity that are that I, that I consider experts. I I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an expert. What I what I try to tell people is that uh, with all the um, infirmities and imperfections that the book has, uh, I at least uh, would hope that, that people would understand that it's something that I cared about and still care about very much. Right. Well, you know, um, this is just, like I said, the, the writing is exquisite. Um, and... And obviously, somebody else felt that way too, because this is a winner. Um, Love beneath the napalm is the, the winner of the Notre Dame Review Book Prize, which is quite an honor. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? You're welcome. A little bit about that um, when you received that prize. Well, I was uh, elated. Uh, William O'Rourke, who is a uh, the the editor of the Notre Dame Review at the uh, University of Notre Dame, and who has written um, a number of works, both fiction and nonfiction, uh, has been very supportive of my writing. He first actually published the the title story, Love Beneath the Napalm, in the Notre Dame Review uh, a number of years ago, and then that was reprinted in an anthology called uh, Notre Dame Review, the first 10 years, by um, the University of Notre Dame Press in 2009, and then I kept sending him stories and he had the the uh, the kindness to to publish ultimately three more including one that just came out that's not in the anthology and so when i learned that i had won the prize i was uh, stunned honored flattered uh, uh what have you because uh, it's always you know if you're writing something like literary fiction it's always it's always i think difficult and it's gratifying to to have it be be recognized, um, and some of the other stories uh, ha- have been published. I think quite quite nicely. Uh, one in the Virginia Quarterly Review, one in the Kenyan Review, and I'm still close to several people whom I uh, got into got to know at, at Kenyan, and so I've been very pleased at the at the fact that uh, uh, after these years, William uh, O'Rourke. Uh, decided to honor me with this and I and actually I think they've done a beautiful job with the book it's 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 really I don't know any I, I can't say much about the content Susan but I can tell you that the book itself is if you judge the book by the cover it's a good cover and they did a beautiful job editing it I'm very pleased with what the University of Notre Dame Press did 
Yes, it's it's absolutely a beautiful uh, package as well. The the cover art is is exquisite. Um, it's very subtle, and it just um, exemplifies the work within the book. Again, I'm speaking with James D. Redwood today, the author of Love Beneath the Napalm, winner of the Notre Dame Review Book Prize. Um, and is this book out as we speak? Has this been released uh, yet? Yes, or it, is. When is... It, 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 it It was published, actually, on August 25th, Susan, so it's okay. um, it's it's available through the University of Notre Dame Press. Uh, Amazon's carrying it. Barnes & Noble is carrying it. So um, I'm very pleased with uh, with the with the efforts that the University of Notre Dame Press is, is 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 doing to give it some visibility. And you know, I, if you don't mind, I would love to read just a, a little excerpt from this. It'll be maybe a minute long, if that. But okay. I I would love to read. Um, this is just you and this, mind you, you can land on anything just as exquisite as this. Man wandered the streets with time to kill rather than an enemy. A force as irresistible as love impelled him in the direction of the old quarter where he knew he would be he would only be sad. He shuffled past laughing crowds of shoppers, eager to capitalize on the changes wrought by the great spring victory, who shoved and jostled one another in high good spirits to get at the wonderful wares displayed in the hundreds of trade shops which had replaced the guilds of Leloy's time. Watches, belts, hairpins, foreign cosmetics, lacquer boxes, silver and gold jewelry, reed mats, bamboo furniture. He shopped, I'm sorry, he stopped at a votive objects shop on Mame and bought a sheaf of ghost paper, which he carried to a nondescript tube house on Hangdao Street. So that right there is just chock full of tension from the very beginning to him ending up at this tube house, which um, makes me wonder, you know, where he's going with this ghost paper and what is this tube house. And um, but that it's just compelling writing. So it's lovely to read. It's lovely to, you know, listen to. Obviously, and um, and uh, what a joy. Well, thank you. The um, a tube house actually is uh, is sort of, you know, there are houses I think of maybe in England or something like that that are you were taxed by the windows, the number of windows that you had, and so the more windows you had, the more you'd have to pay in taxes. And so a tube house is sort of, I think the the old time equivalent in Hanoi of this kind of kind of structure where it's 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 actually a long tube, so it's very. There's there's not that much in the front. It's 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 kind of like a, a train or the tube in London. And what what this story is about, and and uh, I, I would, one thing I wanted to point out that um, I think is a little bit different about the book, and I went uh, the University of Notre Dame Press was very kind about this, is that uh, in the print version of the book they included two photographs, which I really wanted to have included. Um, uh, to, uh, of two individuals to whom the book is is dedicated, the dedicated to the memory of the following. One was a reporter whom I knew in 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 Saigon, a guy named Dennis Trout, who worked for NBC and later ABC News, and sadly who died last year. And um, I considered him a friend when I when I was there. 
And the other one is actually the young woman who is the subject of the story that, that Susan has just read an excerpt from called The Photograph. And it's about a young uh, North Vietnamese who was a member of a squadron of youth volunteers in the along the Ho Chi Minh Trail whose job was to defuse uh, unexploded American bombs and uh, this Vietnamese photographer, Le Minh Chuong, who died just a couple of years ago, took this picture of this young woman playing her guitar and a couple of her comrades, I guess, in the background eating. And the next day, the young woman was killed exploding a bomb, uh, trying to defuse a bomb. And she was a teenager. And this story is about a a young soldier a uh, young man who was also part of that unit, uh, but who survived, obviously, and who was, uh, shall we say, very fond. He was in love with this young woman, and he comes back to Hanoi and is is unable to let go of her of her memory. He's still mourning for her, even though the North Vietnamese have now won the war. It's uh, May of 1975. The war ended in April of 75. And the government is saying, well, the war is over, let's put it behind us and let's move on. And uh, the soldier in Nguyen Van Man is just unable to do that. He's just, he's, he's, still, he's still torn, he's still grief-stricken because of what happened to this young woman he knew. And I'm very grateful, actually, that the University of Notre Dame Press was, was able to put these two photographs in the... Uh, dedication uh, section of the book and I think that hopefully adds uh, a little put, puts puts this first story the photograph uh, in in something of uh, some context let's put it that way yeah well and and about these the this short fiction um they're not I don't want to say they're linked but they feel as though they are linked short stories so um how did you come to settle on just these stories? Well, it's interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, well, it's the each one of them uh, sort of. I have no idea how they came. They, um, you know, sort of inspiration. But there is one thing I can say about uh, a few of the stories. Uh, Envy is another one in, in the in the collection. Um, it was very interesting. In 2004, I believe it was, National Geographic Books published a, a volume, beautiful volume entitled uh, Another Vietnam, Pictures of the War from the Other Side. And this was one of the first times that uh, we as Americans had the opportunity to see what the war looked like from the standpoint of reporters and photographers from, from the other side, from the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong side of, of, of the war. And several of those pictures have actually formed the basis of a short story. Uh, I was, as I say, very, very fortunate in not having to fight. I think that anybody who had to fight in that war on either side suffered unbelievable torments, unbelievable danger. Uh, I was very, very fortunate. And um, so what I try to do in the stories is I'm not an expert on the military aspect, I, I know very little about that, and uh, I don't feel uh, able, nor do I feel it 
that it would be appropriate to write about that. So by and large, what I try to do is just uh, write about people, Vietnamese, um, in, in, in a non-combatant kind of capacity, just as human beings going through the struggles that all of us do in terms of you know, love, worry, anger, hate, envy, you know, all of the the range of human emotions because I, the one thing that I, or one of the things that I was very, very lucky to, to have uh, that I really, really still uh, cherish is, is getting to know Vietnamese in a family setting, having Vietnamese friends and seeing them in a context that, uh, I think most most Americans, unfortunately, never had the opportunity to do, and so that's what I'm trying to do. It's a bit presumptuous, and I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'm hoping that that the stories will will find some 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 audience that uh, that that we here can relate to them, because you know, deep down inside, there's absolutely no difference really uh, between the the Vietnamese and any other people. Oh, absolutely not. Um, but any time we have firsthand experiences, and for instance, you living with a Vietnamese family while you were there, that is not presumptuous in my mind at all because it's firsthand. Um, and I would think that you writing about fighting or the fighting aspect or the com- uh, the combat aspect would be then presumptuous if you had if you didn't fight and you said you didn't so i think that you are touching on something that you know that you felt strongly about and it's important work it's important to um show people the other side of what might have happened um you know with with the citizens and and from a cultural aspect um versus you know the war story but in a war torn Land, so um, it's, it's and like I said, it's it's lovely work. Let's talk about you as um, as a as an author and and uh, and someone that is uh, busy writing your work. You're a working author. Um, when did you realize that you love to write? Well, I think that. I didn't. Uh, I wish that I'd written more when I was a, when I was a kid, so that I could have sort of um, had more time, shall we say, to sort of uh, hone whatever whatever skill or whatever you want to call it that I might that I might have. So I came actually to writing seriously very late. It was only when I was 37 years old, and um, by then this was 12 years after I'd left Vietnam, and um, you know, or 11 years after I'd left Vietnam. And so I could sort of kick myself for not trying to do it earlier. On the other hand, perhaps by waiting the, you know, it's uh, it, it maybe maybe the writing was a little stronger. I have no idea. Was, I guess a little more mature than it might otherwise have been. But I think that what's what's interesting for for any writer, I believe, is that you you really have to have a passion for what you're writing about, and and uh, it's also, you know, there's the, I've I've had I've been very lucky in terms of stories that I've managed to have placed, but I've got as I think all authors do uh, a blizzard of rejections over the years, and 
um, you know, this this can be discouraging, but it's it also puts me in the perspective of saying, well, you know, um, it's fine for me to write something, but I shouldn't have the expectation that simply because I've written something that somebody would want to read it. So when I when you send something out to a literary magazine and highly competitive literary magazines that get thousands and thousands of uh, submissions, unsolicited submissions uh, every year, then uh, to 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 say to them, or you you have to be of the of the view that uh, hopefully there's something that I'm writing that has value to other people, and I have no idea whether that's true or not. But I've been very gratified when when I've had a story accepted, and you know when I have stories rejected, and you know I have the typical reaction: nobody likes to be rejected. But I think it also helps me reflect and try to try to improve. When I write stories, they typically go through probably eight or nine drafts. So I I can't do that with the novel, I think, because I would never <laughs> I would never finish it. But on the other hand, I've actually been working on this novel for uh, on and off for about fifteen years. The other thing that's kind of curious for in my mind is. Um, that um, I mean, I guess I feel something of a compulsion to write. But on the other hand, um, once I've written the novel about Vietnam, if I can just complete it and find the time to do that, because I'm working full time, then I'm not so sure that I have anything else to say. I think there is one other novel that I'd like to write about the Civil War period in Luray, Virginia, where my mother was born, but. I'm not so sure that I have much else to say, Susan, in, in in terms of writing, and you know that might be a good thing. I don't know. I mean, we'll have to see. Well, you sure um, write well, and it would be a, it would be a a real, um, it would be very sad for uh, readers like myself to not have quality work like this out there. So um, maybe I'm just going to say for for we literary readers. <laughs> Don't quit mm-hmm. writing. <laughs> well, you're very sweet, and I say I, I say I will, but it's it's you know uh, I think uh, it, it probably won't happen because I think I'm probably uh, I'm I'm of the of the I'm the kind of person that that uh, you know if I'm still around to annoy people, my poor long suffering dear wife has to put up with me, and she seems to have <laughs> the, the the ability and the grace to do that, and so she seems to want want me around. So I'm afraid that I may also be around for a while in terms of writing. Oh, <laughs> so that's thank wonderful. you. Though. That's very kind of you. You're <laughs> that's welcome. Very kind of you so- to say. You're welcome. It's it's a beautiful piece of work. Again, we're talking with James D. Redwood, author of Love Beneath the Napalm. And Redwood, James, Jim Redwood, began publishing short Mm -hmm. stories in 1993 about Vietnam. Um, His work has appeared in the Virginia Quarterly Review, the Black Warrior Review, the North Dakota Quarterly, to name just a few, and, and this particular book, Love Beneath the Napalm, a, a collection of short fiction about Vietnam, won the Notre Dame Review uh, Book Prize in, um, was that 2005? Uh, 2013 no, is actually the, 2013. the prize. First, I think the first story they published was 2005. Uh, so well, the title story, lovely... Susan, was actually, mm-hmm. yeah, the title oh, story was, was published enough. by them in 2005. 
Okay, this is just a beautiful piece of work. Anyway, thank you so much, Jim, for being on the show with me today. Um, you can find out more about Jim Redwood at www.jamesdredwood.com. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much, Susan. It was my honor. Thank you. My pleasure, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Again, folks, that was James D. Redwood, author of Love Beneath the Napalm, and it's just beautiful work. Um, I would suggest going out and getting it just so that you can read some beautiful writing for once in a while. And um, You'll find Jim at www.jamesdredwood.com. And you can find all of my work at www.susanwingate.com and more about Dialogue and our next week's guest at dialoguebetweenthelines.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. And it's just been a pleasure to be talking with Jim today. And, and it's a pleasure that you're listening today as well. So thank you very much for joining us. Bye-bye. <laughs>